Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Witeka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Hi, everybody. I'm just so delighted to have you listening into this podcast today with a personal friend of mine. My guest is Hilton Brown. He is the vice president at March and McClellan Incorporated. They are a commercial insurance broker. He's also a mentor with Foster Nation, and he's currently the president of the Playa Venice Sunrise Rotary Club. Welcome to the show, Hilton. Marsha, I am so thrilled to be a part of this podcast. In fact, let me just share a quick little aside with you. Uh, as okay. I'm sitting here, I'm looking out of the, the window, and it's a wet, rainy, sunny, I mean, mm-hmm. wet, rainy, gray <laughs> Southern California yes. day, and I was thinking to myself, Marsha and I, we're going to have a fireside chat and bring some warm and fuzzy to the listeners. You bet. You bet we are. In fact, if, you, if I just stood up and looked towards your street and you just stood up and looked toward my street, <laughs> we could almost wave to each other, couldn't we? Because we That's really right. literally live blocks away from each other. Oh, my God, I've known you so long. So um, I've mentioned a little bit about you, you know, professionally and, and, and what you do as a volunteer, but I thought we'd like to know more about you. So could you just share a little bit more about yourself? Sure, I'll give I'll give the listeners uh, just a few nuggets of myself. Uh, so I was okay. born and raised in this little two horse town in the Midwest. Uh, it's called Chicago, Illinois. Uh, <laughs> great great town. For those of you who've never been, you've got to go. Just don't go in the dead of winter. Mm-hmm. Uh, secondly, I'm a member of the Screen Actors Guild. In fact, this month I celebrate. 30 years of being a member of the Screen Actors Guild, and it's a wow. membership that I'm very, very proud of. Wow. Uh, I'm, also, I'm also a member of Toastmasters International. In fact, I am, by earned designation, a competent communicator, and that's, that's a designation that you have to earn. Uh, yes, you do. And that's, yeah, and that's really important to me uh, at this point in my life because as a little boy, just as a, a quick little side story, as a little boy, I was extremely, extremely shy. So knowing wow. how public speaking is the number one fear that people have, uh, being a member of Toastmasters International means a lot to me. Uh, and then the, the final thing I'll, I'll leave you and the listeners with is that I am and have been a lifelong athlete. So that's just a few, few nuggets about Hilton Brown. <laughs> God, and you know something? As long as I've known you, we've never talked about Toastmasters because yeah. I was also in Toastmasters. And we hey. both know the ands, the ums, the ansos. We're not supposed to do that because somebody drops a little coin into a container that lets you know that you've been saying those words that we're trying to avoid saying. So I know a little, as you heard me say, and so. I know a little bit. Every time I talk about Toastmasters and then I say something I shouldn't be saying, that's what flips out. I know a little bit about Toastmasters. I, too, was a Toastmaster for many years. 
let's talk a little bit more about you. Okay. When you were a child a day or two ago, what were your because <laughs> you still have a childlike demeanor that I love what what were your deepest desires as a child in Chicago? I guess that's where you were a child uh-huh mm. oh that's an easy one i I had two that stand out above the rest. Number one, I wanted so badly in my heart to go on space travel into outer space. <sighs> Really? And, and even to this, and even to this day, whenever I'm watching the news and they're launching a rocket or a satellite into space, or they or they're sending some probe into the outer reaches of the solar system, it mm-hmm. still warms my heart. So that was one one of my uh, uh, deepest mm-hmm. desires as a child. And the other is, I just always loved sports and being active and competing. In fact, I will share with you and the listeners right now my childhood yeah. nickname growing up, and, and it'll fit perfectly in that description of just being a, a lifelong athlete and playing sports. So when I was born, and from what I'm told, uh, immediately my parents tagged me with the nickname Spunky. Because because I was always active, I was always engaged, I was always on the move, and so anyway, uh, that ties into uh, my two childhood desires: uh, space travel and always wanting to just play sports. All right, so we're gonna just piggyback on that a little bit, Mr. Spunky. Tell yeah. our listeners how tell our listeners how tall you are. I am six foot four. And if I can add my weight in there too, because my weight has been consistent for the past thirty plus years, six foot four, two hundred and ten pounds, and I would say, if I were to humbly describe uh, my body type, I'm probably ripped steel. <laughs> oh my God! And this is the people. This is what I'm telling you about Hilton. So Hilton and I met a gazillion years ago at the Westchester Family YMCA, which is in our community. I got a job there when my kids were, uh, me too, when my kids went off to college. So this was 1995. Julie had just graduated Westchester. Dave had already graduated Westchester. I graduated from Westchester. And I thought, okay. Our mutual friend, Carol Bayer, said, well, now that you've got two kids in college, you're not going to keep shopping at Nordstrom's. You might want to get a job. And I thought, oh. She said, why don't you come over to the Y? So that's how it started in 1995, and I actually um, worked my way through the system. By the time I had retired in 2005, I was the um, Membership and Healthy Lifestyles Director. But being in our community YMCA allowed me to get to know you, and yes. it has it, it's it's been pretty special in in uh, multiple ways um, that I might mention later on as we continue to talk, but I know that you do love sports, and um, I and I know that your kids do too. So, how did you end in, up in, here? In fact, in fact, it, it, let me jump in real quick. In fact, yes. at that very same Westchester YMCA, I yes. was a volunteer coach there for many many years. I remember that. Yes, you were. <laughs> I, I coached uh, junior Laker basketball. Yep. I coached women over 40 basketball, intro oh, to basketball. Oh, that's right. Forgot yeah. that. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. right. 
Yeah, that's Those pretty cool. Those were some cool. good times. Absolutely, Hilton. So how did you end up from Chicago into the Southern California area? What a great what a great question that is. Mm-hmm. So I had just completed my sophomore year of college, uh, and at the time I was I was still in the in the Midwest. I was attending a private university called Illinois Wesleyan. School's out. It's summertime. I'm back in Chicago, and uh, my mother, God rest her soul, uh, she and I were just having a beer, and literally. She called my bluff, and and in in hindsight, I couldn't have been I can't I couldn't be happier with her doing that. We were having a beer on on a lazy summer day, and she said, "You're always talking about you're going to California, because it's, for people in the Midwest, uh, I'll just give you a, a, a quick little sidebar. On January first, when it's thirty below zero, we got six feet of snow <laughs> in Chicago." But we're looking at this thing on television called the Rose Bowl and the, yes. and the Rose Bowl Parade, where the yes. temperature is 70 degrees. People are in T-shirts <laughs> and shorts. And so I told, I told my, my mother and, and all of my friends and acquaintances and family members, I was like, I'm going to California. So that one summer afternoon, she called my bluff and said, you're always talking about going. I don't think you're going to go. So I'm a young man, just full of, full of, full of myself and full of hubris. And I told her, I said, I tell you what, you get on the phone, call up an airline, book me a one-way ticket, <laughs> oh, man. And, and without missing, and without missing a beat, Sandra Brown picked up the phone. Back then, if you recall, we had the the rotary dialed phones that was yes, connected sir. to the wall with a long extension cord. <laughs> she got on the phone with the United Airlines phone rep, and she's she's talking to this phone rep, and and then she uh, take a moment, put her hand over the mouthpiece piece, and ask me. Uh, what day do you want to leave? What time do you want to leave? And, I, and I'm oh, sitting God. there saying, wow, she's actually calling me on this. So anyway, uh, all of that is what led to uh, my arrival in the great state of California and, and lovely, beautiful Southern California. What part? What, what, where did you start initially? The Southern California is pretty big. I, I landed in I landed at LAX, not having a clue of where I was or where I was going and that sort of thing. But I knew I, my mother told me that we had uh, some fourth and fifth, uh, however you call it, uh, fourth and fifth cousins. Who, genera- mm-hmm. Generational, yeah, who lived in, in Southern California. So once you land at LAX, give them a call. Uh, they'll come and pick you up and blah, blah, blah. Long story short, uh, I landed at LAX put a call into them and the next thing you know I'm living down in Orange County but of course I didn't have any I didn't have a clue that Orange County wasn't LA all I knew was that Disneyland is in Orange County so <laughs> yes indeed that was that oh. was the beginning <laughs> that's just yeah. awesome I love yeah. that that's a great story and speaking of stories because I know you're a storyteller I'm a storyteller how did you meet that beautiful wife of yours Thank you, Marsha. <laughs> and she now, is this, beautiful. Uh, I think so. And for mm-hmm. people who've never seen her, I'll, I'll give you a brief description. My wife, stunningly gorgeous woman, but what makes her even more beautiful is that she has a beauty that radiates from the inside out. You bet. So 
back to the question, how did we meet? So in one of my many past lives, I used to be a fashion model. I used to be one of those male models that used to walk the runway. I did print ads and all of that. So uh, once I landed in in L.A., meaning I spent my time in Orange County, but then figured out Orange County's not L.A. I moved up to L.A., went to a Laker game, huh. and just so I happened to just bump into, and this was during the Showtime Lakers with Magic Johnson and James Worthy and, and Byron Scott, oh, those Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, those Lakers, coached by Pat, yes. Pat Riley. So I run into one of my college alums, uh, and he said, what the heck are you doing here? And I said, well, I just, I just moved here to L.A. And he knew that I had been a fashion model, so he wrote down uh, a location and a date. He said, there's a huge fashion show uh, uh, that's going to be having an audition. You need to be a part of it. Uh, Marsha and the listeners, I show up on a Saturday morning to this audition where they, where they were probably looking at a 1,000 models. And it looked to me like the city of L.A., if you were to take a giant uh, um, um, salad bowl with a strainer and flip it upside down, it seemed to me that the city of L.A. shook out all of the most beautiful drop-dead knockout women in the city. And I'm a young single guy, and I'm saying to myself, oh, man, have I landed (laughs) in a great place. So long story, long story short, uh, again, oh, probably about a thousand models auditioned for that show. They selected ten, five female models, five male models. I was lucky and fortunate enough to be one of the male models selected, and unbeknownst to me, the woman who was to, who was to become uh, my wife and the mother of my children happened to be uh, one of the female models uh, selected. So, so here's here's it, it gets deeper. Here's what I didn't know. We had our first audition as the final 10, and uh, I was the lone stranger of the 10. The other nine seemed to know each other, and I liked mm. being the mystery man uh, that no one knew, <laughs> knew anything about. So uh, during a break in auditions, I was, I was talking to the woman who was to become my wife, and we had a nice conversation. The chemistry was there. There were no pregnant pauses. There were no awkward silences. Then I later learned any time she introduced me to either friends or family, they all told me that she told them privately about me, I have met the man that I'm going to marry and spend the rest of my life with. Oh, my gosh, Hilton. That's a fabulous story. True story, and she will verify that. Way to go, Yvette. That is pretty darn yeah. cool. And way to go, Hilton. <gasps> way to go, Hilton. It was meant to be. What is yeah. the role of – I'm serious. What is the role of family in your life? Oh, uh, for me, family is everything. Um, I know. Family is when the rest of the world knocks you down, kicks you, criticizes you, uh, says bad and ugly things, family – is always there to soften the blow. Family is always there to take you in. Family is always there to give you a warm embrace to let you know it's going to be okay. Um, uh, I'll I'll put it another way. When I was growing up, I I collected, specifically for me, it was superheroes. 
I, and I collected mm. both Marvel, Marvel Comics and DC Comics. Well, uh, Superman, when he first descended upon Earth uh, from planet Krypton, he <laughs> went and built himself uh, what was called a fortress of solitude. Mm-hmm. And to me, that equates to family, some place that you can go, shut the door and block out the rest of the world, lick your wounds, have, have a place of peace, have a place of family, I mean, uh, a place of harmony. That's family for me. Yep. You bet. And, yeah. and sometimes that family extends beyond who you are related to, as we both know. Oh, yes. <laughs> because I feel oh. that way about you. Uh, and I and likewise, Marsha. And of I course, know. we share we share the commonality of both being members of the Rotary family, which I'll talk about yes. later. But this, and yes. there's, there's so much to talk about Rotary. There is, but um, when my husband died so unexpectedly, Butch. nearly 15 years ago, Butch, and you found out about it because you were living in this community and you heard about it through the Y. And you knocked on my door to 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 just give your condolences. It's something I'll never forget because, as you said, family means a lot. And that was one of those moments that's unforgettable. So I just now, didn't now mean Marcia, to take us over now there. Marcia, let, now, Marcia, let me get in the captain's seat uh, of this interview just for one question, if you don't mind. So right. earlier you asked me to give my uh, – physical statistics to the listeners tell tell the listeners how tall butch was <laughs> oh butch was six and, three and, butch and was a contra- big guy like and, you and and contrasted with your height uh yeah like a whole foot taller and um considerably heavier than you my friend oh my gosh okay so way to go butch um yeah. so let's go back to your family what was the role of dad in your life What does does that mean to you? That is a fantastic question, and and let me answer it this way, and this is purely my heart talking to you and the listeners right now. Um, I grew up in a fatherless household. In, In fact, my name, my complete name is Hilton T. Brown, Jr., so I bear the name of my father, even though he was not in my life physically, he was not in my life emotionally, he was not in my life mentally, he was not in in our lives financially. Uh, And a funny thing happened, two things in fact. So as a little boy, and, and people don't give kids enough credit for being able to process and analyze situations, I immediately knew I did not want to be and would not be the absentee father that my father was. I knew it mm-hmm. as a child. Wow. Um, and then, and then here's the second it. thing. Yeah. And then here's the second thing. Um, later on, probably like my senior year of high school in Chicago, I, I was a pretty good basketball player, and I was getting a lot of local media and local press. Well, then, lo and behold, wouldn't you know it, the guy, the dad, the quote-unquote father who had not been in my life at all, not even a little bit, all of a sudden 
when he sees and hears my name, which happens to be his name, mentioned in the huh. local press and local media, now he wants to show up and play the role oh, of boy. dad. Well, mm. uh, of course, my position was, nope, it ain't going to yeah. happen. You, you, are yeah. not, you are not here to do the heavy lifting of all of the formative years. Uh, all of that credit goes to Sandra Brown, my mom. And so, anyway, it was just a little uh, interesting. interesting. Uh, little, t- Yeah, and so uh, probably uh, emboldened by those observations, I always knew that whenever I became a dad, I would be the best possible dad to my kids that I could be. And uh, uh, I'm happy to say uh, I love having them as my kids, and they love having me as their dad. So. And you have a son? What's your son's name? I do. That, What's his name? <laughs> oh, no, you're pretty clever, <laughs> Like I Marcia. already don't know this answer. <laughs> yeah. His name oh. is Hilton T. Brown the Third. Absolutely. And what's your yeah. daughter's name? That that would be Miss Clark, as in Clark Kent, Superman's yes. alias, Clark <laughs> oh, Victoria God, Brown. Yeah. Oh, man, you're the best. Okay, I told everybody. You know, it will be interesting to see if we get through all these questions together. Who, who are your heroes this, by the growing way. up? What's that, babe? I'm, I'm loving what? this, by the way. I am too. I am too, Ben. And t- let me just tell you, when our when our Rotary friends listen to this, they're going to go, "What?" <laughs> okay. So, um, who who are your heroes growing up? I, um, I'm just curious about that. Besides Superman. So I've, I've got three. Uh, and number okay. one uh, at the top of the list is Sandra and Jane Brown, uh, my dearly departed mother. Um, uh, my mom passed back in 2012, but to this very day, there are life lessons that mm-hmm. she instilled in me where I still hear her voice in my mind. So. Yep. Uh, uh, that that would be number one. I mean, this is a single mom who who raised five kids solo. Mm. Um, she uh, I, let me give you one other character description of Sandra Brown. Whereas the image that we have of most most mothers is love uh, loving and warm and fuzzy and full of hugs and kisses. And that's uh, my mother, because we grew up on the mean streets of Chicago. And her having to play the role of mother and father, the pendulum swung the uh, uh, the other direction. And I say I say that with love, in that my mother was more of a disciplinarian, more of a drill sergeant, because her mission was to make sure that the mean streets of Chicago did not claim or consume any of her children. So she mm-hmm. made us walk a tight line, um, almost as tight as. And this is a quick little sidebar almost as tight a line as uh, uh, my 12-year education growing up in Chicago going to Catholic schools. And I went to Catholic schools back when the priests and nuns were in their (laughs) habits and that sort of thing, and they would beat beat the crap out of you. And had a ruler in their hands. Yeah, So so, uh, let me bring this thing back full circle. So my my first hero at the the very top is Sandra Brown, my mother. Uh, Number two was Muhammad Ali. Really? It, there, there was something about um, the charisma, the, the style, the skill set, uh, the, the, the beauty with his flow of words, almost 
like poetry, and more, most importantly, he was a man of his convictions. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he lost three and a half, three and a half years, prime years of his boxing career, because his religion uh, would not allow him to be drafted and go and fight over in Vietnam. He was a conscientious objector, and it's and and the U.S. government stripped him of three and a half of his prime boxing years, but he stood by his convictions. Uh, and my last hero on the list, again, sports-related, is the doctor, Julius Irving. Just, That's a just, good one. Just because, just because there are bright stars that streak across the sky and they take our breath away. And when mm-hmm. Dr. J played, this was, this was pre-Kawhi Leonard, this was pre-Kobe, this was pre-Jordan, this was pre this was the doctor. And whenever, whenever he would come to your town, the, the local sports media is saying the doctor is coming to make a house call. And that guy <laughs> literally would fly. Oh, and he had, and he had a big fro that would be blowing back yes. as he's as he's flying through the air to dunk the ball. So those are my three oh, heroes. I, I that's you, you got cool. me going down like an emotional that. road just thinking about yeah. So oh my gosh, well we've got just a little over a half an hour, and I've got twelve thousand questions. So let me just okay. let's move over to um, one of the one of the areas of caring that you're involved in, which is um, you're the mentor with Foster Nation. And yes. I thought you could just, you know, briefly just tell people what Foster Nation is. Okay. So Foster Nation is less than two years old, and it was the brainchild and the passion product of a lady by the name of Jeannie Pritzker. And she is uh, of the Pritzker family. They are the 15th wealthiest family in America, uh, Hyatt mm-hmm. Hotel. Pritzkers. Oh. Uh, net, okay. net worth $15 billion, that billion with a B. But uh, for, for all of her wealth and societal status, she saw that there's a problem with the foster care system, meaning whenever a foster youth reaches a certain age where they age out, they get a one week crash course. This is how you apply for a job. This is how you. Uh, uh, this is how you apply for a bank account. This is how you fill out a resume. This is how you, uh, this is how you fill out, uh, apply for an apartment. All crash course one week, and then they, they're kicked to the curb. And Jeannie Pritzker said, there's a better way. How about if we take this aged out foster care youth and pair them with a corporate professional who can mentor them and just teach them step by step, block by block. And the, 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 the program that she created is a nine-month program where you oh, meet okay. with, your, with your foster care youth three weeks out of the four each month. And you, you just go over basic life lessons, things to equip them. Well, I hit the jackpot because the, the, the foster youth that they paired me with, and I'll say his name, his name is Brenton Reed, uh, AKA BR. I love him. He's like a son to me. I pledged to him early on that I will be in his life for the rest of his life. And from his point of view as a foster care youth, he told me, and I'm humbled to say this, that um, 
I, I am and have been one of the most consistent adults that's ever come into his life. He said, I say something, I mean it, I back it up. And so uh, the Foster, Foster Nation just hit a, hit a jackpot when they paired me and, and young Brenton Reed together. And as a result, we still go back. Every, they have what they call cohorts. We go back every cohort right. and, and speak to the new incoming mentor coaches and the new incoming aged out foster youth. So it, it's wonderful. It's, it warms my heart. And prior to Foster Nation, I knew nothing about foster kids or the foster care system. That's, that's I mean, you're, you're, a, you're a big man. You stand tall <laughs> and you stand straight. And I don't know, your entire chest must be just full of a heart. You know, I don't know where Thank the you, lungs Marcia. fit in, but you know, <laughs> I, I I'm just like, oh my gosh, Hilton. There are, I, I'm telling you. So I want to move over to Rotary now, and there's going to be things that our Rotarians are going to go, wow, I don't remember knowing that. So let's talk about our Playa Venice Sunrise Rotary Club. Yeah. And for people that don't know about Rotary, that it is an international club. Um, why don't you just share with um with our listeners what what is the mission of this international club yeah all right uh great question and, and you know i can speak on and on but but i'm going to give the, the <laughs> listeners the cliff's note version of, of rotary okay, but there still you go. there's going to but still there's going to be meat on the bones with what i give, you give the listeners so <gasps> oh, when it comes to rotary if you forget everything else that I say about the organization, remember these three words, our model, service above self. Right. Let that sink in for a moment, service above self. What that basically says, if I may translate, if your life has been so blessed, if your life has been so enriched, if your life has been so abundant that your soul is stirred to give back to those less fortunate than you, that, in essence, makes you a Rotarian. Yep. It's a, it's a service organization. We are all over the world. In fact, in my business travels, I love the fact when I go to uh, cities and towns all over America, uh, large or small, when you first enter this, you are now entering Marsha Town, USA, and then you see that rotary wheel. It's very comforting knowing that rotaries everywhere. So, again, for the listeners, service above self. Those three words. It means the world to so many of us. As you said, it is worldwide, and we have a large membership um, on our Wednesday Breakfast Club but it's not at all uncommon for people that are visiting out of state and out of the country That's right. to come and join us at a club meeting. And, and they're and, and they're always I, welcome. Always. Tell tell people what polio and rotary has to do with one another. All right. So great question. So rotary every year adopts a number of projects, service projects, and some are local, some are national, some are international. What Marcia mentioned is one of the international product, uh, uh, projects, and that is the eradication of polio. 
many of you listening may have thought, well, wait a minute, I thought polio was eradicated some 50 or 60 years ago. You mm-hmm. are partially right. You are majority right. But a funny thing happened about 10 or 15 years ago. All of a sudden, there was a new polio case and then a new and then a, a, a new dozen polio cases, and then a new dozen, uh, 100 polio cases. So it's been growing, and it's back on the radar. And as an international project, one of our many Rotary International projects uh, is to eradicate polio. And let me say that since um, I, I believe in this old uh, saying, what gets focused on gets improved. And five-plus years ago, Rotary turned our collective vision into eradication of polio. And since in, in those five years, the polio numbers worldwide have been shrinking again. So we got the arrow pointed in the right direction, but it's not at zero yet. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about some of those international programs. But I, yeah. I'm curious to know, Hilton, how did you actually become a Rotarian? What was your introduction and, and how that started for you? Oh, that's a great story. Yeah, so, I don't know this story. You're going to love this story. So, okay. uh, six years ago, our daughter um, had decided, oh, was a very well, uh, uh, well-renowned two-sport athlete, women's soccer and women's basketball, and was getting recruited <clears throat> by uh, uh, prestigious four-year universities all across the nation when we landed on the campus of Syracuse University, she mm. said, Mom and Dad, this is it. This is where I want to be. So uh, for that fall semester, we, we flew back to Syracuse University, uh, met her teammates, met her coaches, saw her uh, uh, athletic dorm, living accommodations, got got her furnished with everything that every incoming freshman needs coming into a uh, university. Then we get on the on the flight back to L.A. We walk in the door of our home, and I was struck by the silence. Mm -hmm. Because when our kids were growing up, organically, our home was the hub of -hmm. our kids and all of their friends. So there was a lot of youthful energy and noise and chaos in our home, and it was all joyous, and it was all love. But we walked in after dropping our daughter off at Syracuse, and the house was quiet. Mm-hmm. We were now known as what we were now known as what you call empty nesters. Yep. And I turned to my wife and I said, "I've got too much time, too much energy, and too much commitment to just sit around and do nothing. I need an outlet." The universe heard those words come out of my mouth, and then less than a week later, a business associate, a gentleman who I'll mention by name because I love him. His name is Harold Johnson. He recently retired from a a long-extended career with LAWA, which is the LAX. uh, I I can't exactly remember what what the acronym LAWA stands for, but Harold Johnson, sight unseen, said to me, Hilton, my my company, my employer, LAWA, has purchased a sponsorship table at an event, 
And if you're free, I'd like for you to be one of my guests at the table. Well, in the world of Hilton Brown, everything comes down to comfort and convenience. I said, (laughs) where is the event? He said, in Playa Vista, which for those listeners who don't know, is approximately two miles or less from Westchester, where where Marcia and I live. And he said, well, when is it? And I asked him, when is it? He said, a week later. So lo and behold, I show up at this event and the energy people at this event was fantastic it was so off the chart it was i was gravitating to it still had no idea what this event was who who put on this event what an organization and lo and behold as the evening goes on it turned out to be uh play of venice sunrise rotary's annual cultural dinner which is one of our largest fundraising events yes um, someone someone uh, uh, invited me to come to the weekly meeting, and again, comfort and convenience, I said, when and where? They said, Whiskey Reds in Marina, nice little restaurant, Marina Del Rey, less than four miles from my home, check, check. Uh, what day? Wednesday? Okay, I can make that work. What time? 7.30. A.M.? They said, yeah, and I said, no, no, not going to happen. Uh but then, but then uh, the lady who invited <laughs> me, who is my sponsor, uh, Bobby Casalino Lewis, she said okay. to me the magic words, which always appeal to me whenever anyone, Hilton, give it a try. Yeah. So I showed up like that Bobby. Wednesday morning. Yeah. So I showed up mm-hmm. that Wednesday morning at 7.30, and lo and behold, um, uh, to borrow, borrow a phrase from the movie Jerry Maguire, they had me at Hello. Yep. <laughs> as soon as I That's walked great. in the door to our weekly Rotary meeting as a visitor, as a stranger, the warmth, the love, the welcoming, the acceptance, they had me at hello. I believe it. I, so, I, I, so, that, so that was I, my I, introduction I, to Rotary. I, I love that. Hilton. I never heard that story. I didn't know that story because you've been um, involved in Rotary a little bit longer than I have. But I had that same, like aha moment like wow i want to be with these people yeah it's amazing so you don't just automatically let me give let me let me me give one other example along the same lines of everything that i just said have you ever been in your your car you're just driving down a boulevard and all of a sudden you look out out your window either your driver's side or your passenger side and you see a long line of people on the sidewalk waiting to get into some restaurant. You've never been to the restaurant. You don't know what they serve on the menu, but just looking at the long line of people waiting to get in, they must be serving something good. <laughs> oh, That's man, the equivalent. Yes, indeed. So yeah. I know you didn't just automatically become president, but what are your responsibilities as the president? How long is your term, and what what's briefly your responsibilities? All right, uh, I'll boil that down and, and just make it real simple. To be All right. uh, to be to be president of the club basically boils down to this, and it's another analogy, but it it, it fits. You are the captain of the ship which means you've got, you've got to keep the ship pointed in the right direction. You've got to keep the ship in calm waters. If you hit some turbulent waters, know how to navigate through it or navigate around it. 
and make sure all of the cast and crew aboard the ship are happy and satisfied. And it's not that tough, it's not that difficult of a job. Uh, You asked me about the term. The term is one year. Although, if I may, and I say this very (laughs) humbly. I know what's coming. (laughs) And I say this this very humbly. I I am humbled, flattered, and filled with gratitude in that our club asked me, Hilton, even though the bylaws say the presidential uh, position is a one-year term, would you come back and and be president back to back and and of course i said of course i said yes oh. uh, but but i was just i was just i was just humbled because i never i never take myself for granted i'm never full of myself i never think i i'm, I'm always sensitive to hearing and feeling what other people are thinking and so if the club as a whole said, we want you back, that just tells me in the common sense world that I'm living in, I must be doing something right as captain <laughs> of the ship. You are, sir. You are. It's, it's the Thank love you, boat. You are the captain, honey. Um, <laughs> it's the love boat. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Why does this, why when I talk to you does music and TV and all those, I mean, how often do I say to you, Mr. Brown, you have a lovely daughter? I mean, oh, well, these yeah. words just float out of my mouth because we yeah. are indeed good friends. Yes, um, we are. Why, we are. Why is service to others so important to you? Gosh, that's an easy one. I'm gonna I'm gonna reference back to my child, one of my childhood heroes, Muhammad Ali, who once said, and hang on to these words: "Service to others is the rent we pay on earth for our place in heaven." I'll say it again: wow. Service to others is the rent we pay, we pay on earth for our place in heaven. Wow. Now, that, that, those were the words of my hero. Now, I'll share with you from my heart my words. I have always found in being of service to others, it seems like it's a greater blessing to me than it is to the recipient. I walk away feeling huh. like I'm on cloud nine. Wow. You know, yeah. and you know, I tell you something, and that's how it feels when we're around. Well, I, I can't speak for others. I will just speak for me. That's how it feels when I'm around you. That there is such authenticity about you, that you are a genuine you, person. You're not trying to be somebody that's supposed to fit into this role. This is I'm who no phony. you are. You are no absolutely genuine and authentic, and that's that's and that's not to say that everybody in the world can't be like that, but but that's who you are, and yeah. and people know that when they're around you. So you are like a magnet. People want to be attached. People want to be Thank around you, you. but Thank it's you. true. And people do want to, be. and then I'm telling you, people, I don't. I, I live alone, so my cat doesn't really hug me. Well, so I don't live alone, then, do I? But uh, when you get a Hilton hug, 
you don't forget it. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So it's the truth, though, friend. It's the truth. Thank you, Marcia. So, why don't you share, thank, share, share just a little bit about what, what um, we're, we're doing in our club, some of the cool projects that we've taken on just in the last few months, I mean, since the holidays. Okay. I can think of many, right. but you go ahead and yes. share. Okay, let me, let me start with the most recent one just last week. So yep. we have a program called Teacher mini grants and anyone that knows a teacher or if you're listening and you are a teacher or you're someone in your family's a teacher you know how there's never enough money for teachers number one to pay to compensate them for being probably one of if not the number ones one number one best educate uh, best professions i mean they're cranking out our our future leaders but anyway there mm-hmm. there always seems to be a budget shortfall for them so rotary and our club specifically we created these mini grants where uh, we give teachers schools and principals mini grants we give them some money We're, it's not a it's not a large enough amount of money that's going to put them on easy street and, and have them living uh, uh in beverly hills but last week we gave out approximately eighteen thousand dollars in teacher mini grants and i'll tell you what what had my heart smiling the principals of these schools accepting this money were so full of gratitude so mm-hmm. appreciative so just absolutely delighted because their principals oftentimes for just basic school classrooms have to come out of pocket, out of their own pocket to furnish these things that, that should be normally taken care of. So that was our uh, most recent thing, T- teacher mini grants. We gave out $18,000 last week to our local uh, schools here in the Westchester and surrounding areas. And that 18000 is a, a part of a greater number of over $400,000 that we've given out to teachers annually with this teacher mini-grant program uh, in less than 10 years. Uh, let me see, what else? Uh, every uh, winter holiday or Christmas or whatever you want to call it, we have a holiday adopt-a-family yep. where we put together approximately approximately 11 teams of Rotarians and non-Rotarians. It's not just uh, uh, exclusive right. to just Rotarians. And we, each one of those teams, 11 teams, we pair them with a family in need. Mm-hmm. And it could be a family, it could be a family of five living in a one-bedroom apartment. You're right. It could be a, it could be a family that doesn't have a, a uh, uh, an oven or a stove. They they use what do you call the little portable heaters to uh, mm-hmm. um, make meals. Uh, the kids in the in the in the home don't necessarily have laptops. Um, sometimes you could have two, three, four kids all sleeping in one bed. So uh, each one of our groups, we adopt a family and we find out from the family what do you need. What they need. That's number. Right. That's number one, and then for the kids and the parent and the parents too. What, yeah, that's, that's unbelievable. You, yeah, what would you what would you like to have? Because it mm-hmm. because it is the holiday season, it is Christmas, and um, everyone wants to get a little gift during the holiday. And so we try to make uh, just for for a brief holiday season, m- make some dreams come true. And that's been a wonderful program. Uh, but, but, oh, and the last thing, How about again, Build-A-Bear? 
<laughs> oh, what were you going to say? Was that what you were going to say? Come on, Hilton. Were you going to say Build-A-Bear? Yes, I was. Oh, God, I love Build-A-Bear. Tell everybody about well, Build-A-Bear. Well, That's so cool. Well, I, I will I will try to share with the listeners Build-A-Bear without welling up and having a tear fall from my eye. Build-A-Bear is for uh, young children and young adults who are shut in at the hospital uh, undergoing uh, uh, cancer treatments, radiation, that sort of thing, where they are shut-ins at the hospital. And you would, you would be amazed. And this comes directly from the hospital administrators back to us at our club at Rotary. You would be amazed what happens to these kids, to these babies, to these uh, teenagers when they receive a teddy bear that is personalized, that is detailed by a, ro- a Rotarian uh, as a gift to them. Because remember, they're undergoing trauma just from whatever has uh, invaded their bodies. They're undergoing all of this treatment in the hospital, which is not fun, which is not warm and fuzzy. Uh, They're isolated. They're not at home. And then they get presented with, I know know to the listeners, it sounds like it's nothing, but it's so much more. Oh, it's so much. A personalized teddy bear. Mm -hmm. And not only that, not only Hilton do I think it's so cool that the patient gets that, but oftentimes those children have siblings that are sort yes. of cast aside because not that they're not loved in the family, but there's so much attention put to their to their ill sibling that oftentimes yes. those children also get one. And builder bears are in a lot of malls across our country. And so people could be very familiar with that particular store. We go to the mall, and that's where we build the bear, and including putting a heart inside it and having it sewed in. And whether it looks like a unicorn or it looks like a teddy bear and, or they're a sports fan or whatever it might be, we, we customize it for that particular child. It's, it's one of the most favorite things that I, that I enjoy doing. Um, I, I great point, Marcia. Great point. Really, really great. You yeah. well, you mentioned earlier about the eradication of polio, but there is another enormously large project that Rotary has taken on. In fact, one of our good friends is very responsible as an attorney about this subject, and do you want to tell them what that is? In, international project? Well, he, are we, are we talking international project? Is, inter- is is human trafficking is that considered international or is that just oh, oh yeah that's that's international okay, okay so yeah human yeah. trafficking uh, I, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna just touch briefly on that uh, because okay. when you, when you said international I, I thought of a number so yeah human trafficking okay. it goes on un- right under our noses every day every week every month every year. And it needs attention, and Rotary has turned its attention to uh, uh, stopping human trafficking and, and sex trafficking, and, and that's an international project that, that we are proud to back, to sponsor, to endorse uh, uh, the, the elimination of, of human trafficking and sex trafficking. We also do clean water projects in third world countries. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, we, bu- we build schools in third world countries. And for the listeners, let me add this, because even though here in the United States 
we, we always think equality and, and every person has every right. In a lot of these third world countries, women and young girls are not given rights. So we build schools right. where just like the boys are educated, the girls are educated. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. that's so true. There are so many. And that's the beauty of Rotary. And I, I, I just want to say one more thing about Rotary because I know we've been talking about it, and that is there's not an expectation, well, if you don't do this, then you're not really a Rotary member. No, there is no <laughs> – you know what I'm saying? Because sometimes people go, oh, gosh, look at how much that person does. Oh, my gosh, look how much that person does. Oh, my God, I'll never be able to do all of that. No, there's no judgment in Rotary. You None. do what you can do and, and, when you want and, and to in do. in fact, yes. And, in fact, I tell people this. I put it this way. Think of whenever you go to a fancy restaurant and they present you with the menus. Well, at our club, we have events and projects from January to December, but there's no pressure, there's no judgment uh, for you to do all of them, half of them, a quarter of them. It's an a la carte menu. You pick and choose what looks good to you on the menu. I, I, absolutely. And, I mean, it, it's, I, I mean, I just love Rotary. I think that that it's just a wonderful program, and I would encourage those people that are listening that are thinking, you know, I have some spare time, or I, you know, you have to, you ha- it has to work. It, it, it's not supposed to be a pressure. It's not supposed to be, oh, God, I have one more thing to do. It, that's not how you should be approaching it. You do what you can do. Because of the technology today, we ha- we, one of our members lives in Palm Springs. Come on. Yes. And, and, and so we have a Zoom, we have a Zoom um, meeting where people yes. can be a part of this and not necessarily attend the meeting. Certainly the pandemic did a lot to change the way people showed up to things. And, That's right. You know, and so I just I think Rotary is, is so, so important. And I, and I want to respect your time. And I, I'd like to ask you this because – can you just may, share may I quickly maybe... give a can, can I can I get yes. a, qu- quickly give a shameless plug about our club? Please, yes. All right. If if any listeners, if anything that Marsha has said or I've said about our Play of Venice Sunrise Rotary Club has stirred your curiosity or your spirit to give back, please go to playavenice.org. That's P L A. Ya Playa Venice dot org. That'll take you to our website, and you can just mm-hmm. uh, peruse it and see for yourself and see Absolutely. all of our projects. Uh, uh, get a get a visual look at our membership, and and mm-hmm. so anyway, I just want to give that shameless plug. Yeah, well, I and you know, and that that will definitely be in the blog Hilton, so that people can okay. do that. And I would encourage people that are not living in this local area that they check out the the just go to Rotary in, in your town just. Just yes. type it into Google. Google knows everything. Where's my yep. local Rotary Club? And see what makes sense for you. That's right. If um, You know what? Here's what I want to ask you, and I think I sort of already know the answer to this. When you're not working or providing continual leadership, which you do, our fearless leader, what do you like to do for fun? <laughs> oh, that's easy. I'll give, I'll give you the I know top what four. It is. No, okay. you don't. What's the first one? I love one? movies. I love movies. Oh. No, I did I not love, know that. Remember, okay. Re- remember, I'm a 30-year member of the Screen Actors Guild, so I oh, love that's movies. that's true. Okay. 
I guess you could call me a foodie because I love good meals. Do you make them or do you go out for them? No, Mrs. Brown makes them. I'm the, I'm the official taste tester. I am really good at washing dishes. I'll have to <laughs> touch your face with Mrs. Brown. <laughs> okay, I know where you live. Okay, so you're a foodie. All right, uh, all right number three, this is, this is my latest passion I know project. What it is. Yes. And I just picked it up during COVID when everybody was shut down and shut in, and I needed a relief. So I mm-hmm. took up this little sport called golf. Yes, I know. Top golf. And, I know. And it, yeah. And so uh, <laughs> uh, uh, the Super Bowl next month will also mark my three-year anniversary of participating in this beautiful sport called golf that I can't get enough of. And the last mm-hmm. thing. Last thing, this one, you, I, they could have given you a million dollars and you would have never gotten this. I love people watching. I'm really? One of, I'm one of those, Where do you do I'm that? One of those people, I'm one of those people. I could get to the airport three hours before my flight is scheduled <laughs> to leave and just sit and watch people. Can you sit silently and watch them or do you want to engage in a conversation? I can be a fly on the wall and just watch uh, human humans being humans. But if somebody wants to chat, I can chat up with the best of them. You bet. Because I like watching people too, but I don't do it in silence because I will talk <laughs> to the wind. I was born to talk. You've probably Marcia, heard of that. You were born to talk. Yeah. I, was, I, I got in trouble for it in school. I was always grounded. <laughs> I get a C-U-U in my report card because I was an average student. But work habits and cooperation, they could have been E's for excellence, but no. Yeah. And I always say you, to my you parents. You to talk. Well, and I would say, well, well, it wasn't my fault. The guy in front of me turned around and started talking to me. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. That isn't exactly how it worked. But anyway, I, yes, I've, yeah. I've, always, I've always loved meeting people, talking to people, and engaging with people. And, and that brings me joy, just like what you do brings you joy, Hilton. Yeah. And I just want to thank you so much for spending this time with me today. You, you've, you've really made my day, truly. I've had a ball. This was fun. It was fun. And wait till we hear the, wait till people say, did you hear the podcast with Hilton? Yes, I did. As a matter of fact, I was there. (laughs) So I just want to wish you the very best on this rainy day. I'm going to remember that event likes to cook. Uh, I could easily bring the ingredients. You know, the man that used to cook doesn't live here anymore. So, you know, it kind of sucks. But, Let's not leave it like that. Let's leave it like no. this. You have been a delight, and people can feel it, Hilton. People can feel your your generous you, and generous spirit and, and that smile. And, and everyone, please know that if you were standing next to Hilton right now, he would be giving you a hug. So I am feeling your hug too, my oh, friend. Man. And and you, oh, it feels good. And I look forward to seeing you on Wednesday because we will be at Rotary together once again. Can't wait. And thank you, Marcia. I you, can't you are Thank a, you. You are an excellent interviewer. Uh, this this didn't even feel like a podcast. This felt like two friends just, just chatting. You bet. You bet. Because I don't call these interviews. I call them conversations. 
So, Mr. Brown, have a lovely rest of your day, and I will see you on Wednesday. And everybody else, tell your friends. Bye for now, everybody. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.